Welcome to the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast, your one-stop shop for all fantasy football info. Here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Lewis Glover, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Corey Easley. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? You know what? It's a, another week gone by. Uh, not, not much NFL news, but... You know, always grinding in the fantasy world, always trying to find an edge, always looking for the the change in value. So that's what I've been doing doing with my week. A lot of procrastination as well. I'm supposed to be finishing off a, a paper for for university, but I just keep finding my way onto Twitter and my fantasy <laughs> league and sending out trades and recording a podcast and doing anything but uh, my assignment. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts and startups and yeah, it's just been kind of spending a lot of time doing that kind of stuff. So definitely staying with it. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of drafting and that's what we're going to dig into on today's show. We're going to be highlighting some of our favorite values in sort of redraft and best ball leagues. And then I think I teased it on last week's show, we would have a special guest afterwards. Uh, we were very fortunate to to grab uh, a few minutes of, of Mike Clay's time from ESPN. So uh, I was fortunate enough to interview him last week, and we're going to uh, pop that interview in at the end of the show. Uh, but before we get on to our favorite uh, values, our favorite picks in, in best ball, just want to let everyone know and remind you all that we are brought to you by Breaking Oz Memorabilia, who are bringing you some of the best authentic sign helmets and merchandise in Australia. If you are interested in getting involved in a helmet break, a helmet raz, memorabilia raz, head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash breaking Oz. And I believe they're filling a new series right now, which is jam packed full of all kinds of awesome merchandise, including uh, a, a soon to be signed one-off headliner item with an inscription that will have never been put on a helmet before. Uh, they've got some Lawrence Taylor lids in there as well. So just some, some awesome stuff. If you're interested in getting yourself a helmet, if you haven't started a collection, Now's the time to do that. Go in, sprinkle a few books around into some of the breaks and see if you can, can come up big and get a, a piece of merchandise to the fraction of the price. So big shout out to Breaking Oz Memorabilia for, for supporting the podcast. Also want to remind you guys that we're going to be running a Vault Studio Dynasty League for our listeners. Uh, already we've had a, you know, a fair few people reach out via email to, to share their interests. So uh, if you are interested in joining a dynasty league, even if you've got no dynasty league experience, come and come and uh, cut your teeth uh, with some fellow listeners. Email fantasyfootballdownunder at gmail.com if you are interested in doing that, or just reach out through the through the socials. You know where to find us. Uh, we're also uh, close to filling, well, maybe not quite close, but we're we're definitely making a great dent in the in the spots for the FF Down Under Bowl as well, a 240 team league that uh, I, I'm running this year. Uh, 180 teams last year, 240 teams this year, $800 cash prize to first place. Uh, and we're going to be donating a ton of cash to some great charities, the Smith family and food bank Australia as well. So if you are interested, make sure to check uh, fantasy football down under socials and, and register your interest there. And then one last league plug. If you've seen, uh, my Facebook feed recently, the Fantasy Football Down Under one, you'll have seen me streaming. That's right. I am a streamer now. It's not just UJA who's a, who, who can stream, but just doing a few different best ball drafts using the sleeper function. 
uh, the mock draft function there. And there's a cool tool that I've been able to get from King Fantasy Sports. And we're doing some best ball drafts. It's great. Four, six, eight-man drafts. They're over in 20 minutes. So if you want to get your drafting skills up just for a few dollars and potentially win some cash at the end of the year, let me know if you want to be involved in the best ball leagues. Thinking of doing your own podcast but don't know how to start? Look no further. The Vault Studio can be hired out to record and produce your content at a great rate. Even if you aren't in Melbourne, we can operate everything remotely as long as you have a mic. For inquiries, email james at thevaultstudio.com.au or send us a message on any of our social media platforms. All right, as I said earlier, we're just going to be looking at a few players that I and, and Corey keep drafting in, in redraft or guys that we really like based on their on their current value. This was Corey's Corey's brainchild for the show. I really like this idea. He's seen me doing a ton of best ball drafts. So he said, you know, who are the guys that you like? Who are the values? So Corey, take it away, man. Who who you liking? Yeah, let's let's just go back. I'll do one and you do one. And we'll go back and forth here. I'll get a little ping pong action going. But yeah, I wanted to do this just because I've been doing a lot of mocks in and you know, I've been ending up looking at the same players' names and, you know, just like, oh, I have to I have to grab him here or I have to grab, you know, that person in that spot. So um, my first one is Brandon Cooks. And I keep getting him as, you know, wide receiver two, three. Um, potentially you can get him, you know, in the seventh, eighth round in some drafts, which is, um, you know, that's where his kind of his spot is when you go into these drafts. He's pretty late down the the player sheet. So I drafted him. I was staring at uh, DJ Shark and Landry and a couple other guys, and I just decided to go with Brandon Cooks. I really like uh, where he could end up. I mean, I think having Deshaun Watson as a quarterback is an upgrade over Goff. Uh, I don't think many people can – Doubt that. Um, there have so yeah, there have been just nine wide receivers who's finished as top twenty-four fantasy options in at least in at least four of the last five seasons. And Brandon Cooks is one of those guys. So I think people are definitely scared off by the concussions. And I understand that. And I've I've tweeted this out at CMoney52 <laughs> on Twitter today, and I've been getting, you know, kind of a little bit of pushback, but this is just my opinion. I love Brandon Cooks. I, I take him as my wide receiver too and be perfectly fine with that. I think he's got, you know, upside to be the number one option at Texans offense now that uh, Hopkins is gone. Yeah, I I don't disagree with this take. Just in terms of range of outcomes, would I be at all shocked if he was the Texans' highest scoring receiver by the end of the year? Absolutely not. I mean, people are concerned about his concussions and his health, but he's barely missed any games over the course of his career. He's been incredibly durable outside of that. And of course, concussions are are dangerous and they're a concern, but the doctors have said he's hundred percent fine. He's recovered and he's, he's good to go. Meanwhile, although I like the talent with, with Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, you know, they've got twigs for hamstrings. We, we talked about this <laughs> last week. I mean, there's every chance that Brandon Cooks is the only receiver to play 16 games for the Texans this year. And if that happens, he's going to score points. He's 
Deshaun Watson is going to make it happen. He, you know, it's unbelievable that the the caliber of quarterbacks that Brandon Cooks will have played with throughout his career, starting with Drew Brees, onto Tom Brady. Say what you want about Jared Goff. He's not a complete bum either. I mean, people were super high, high on him after his 2018 season. So, and then to go to Deshaun Watson, that's a, that's a really impressive resume of quarterbacks to play with. And there's a ton of work, a ton of volume up for grabs, as we know, with the Hopkins departure. So, yeah, I, I p- think people are really sleeping on Brandon Cooks. He's also shown that he can move from team to team and produce immediately as well. He works. He, yeah. he's So I don't have any concerns about him moving team, having a new, uh, you know, having rapport with Watson or anything like that. That doesn't concern me. And he's not just a nine route guy either. He 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 can run all the routes. He can be used intermediate. He he's, doesn't drop many balls either. Reliable hands. There's a lot to like about Brandon Cooks at his, at his current ADP. And I, I'd feel absolutely fine if he was the wide receiver three on my team. Yeah, and like like I said, like I I will be the one that dies on this hill of the Brandon Cooks hill this year. So you can be you can at me if he uh, gets concussed and he misses a bunch of games. That that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those guys that I'm targeting. Um, that not necessarily that I'm targeting even that he's just falling to me in a spot where no one else is really thinking about him. So um, like I said, I I think he has the upside to be. A friend, like a really high end wide receiver, too. And if you're going to get him, you know, we're currently being able to get him, that's an absolute steal. Yep, completely agree. Uh, another receiver, uh, first guy on my list, someone I've been targeting, finding myself getting a lot, a lot of this guy, because you can get him in the fourth, fifth rounds of drafts. And if you do a, a, a running back heavy build, start running back, running back running back, running back, tight end, something like that. Calvin Ridley is a guy who I'm drafting in a ton of best ball leagues, fourth, fifth, even fell to the beginning of the sixth round in one of them, I believe, which is just absurd. I don't know why he's not getting the love he deserves. Everyone was way too high on Ridley last year. Potentially people felt that they got burned by him, but his price was just too steep last year. I remember specifically being out on him. This year, I'm all in. There's a ton of vacated targets with Sanu leaving, Austin Hooper leaving. Uh, and, you know, this Falcons defense isn't very good either. I expect plenty of negative game scripts. He gets a ton of games inside a dome, so conditions are never going to be issued for him. He has r- great rapport with Matt Ryan. And I think this is a situation where both Ridley and Jones can finish inside the top 12. This is a Tampa Bay situation all over again. The circumstances are correct. The lack of viable pass catches really outside of, of Jones and, and Ridley makes makes me believe that they're both gonna see, you know, in excess of a hundred targets each. I really, I really do believe that. Hayden Hurst is is fine, he's whatever, but I don't I don't expect him to earn more targets than Austin Hooper. And who's who else is on the roster? Russell Gage. <laughs> yeah, uh, they- Olamides, Olamides, Zacchaeus, Olamide Zacchaeus, I think his name is. Like, there's no one else on that roster that you go, oh yeah, that 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 person is going to steal or, or earn away a ton of targets. So Calvin Ridley is just absolute uh, money for me this year. Yeah, I can't. I I don't mind Calvin Ridley. I know coming into this season, like real super early, I was I was kind of not that in enthused by Calvin Ridley. However, he's steadily grown on me and he's 
he's moving up my my board as well just because I think that that whole Atlanta offense is being undervalued. They don't have much depth, which is fair enough um, if you're talking about real NFL uh, value there. But as far as fantasy goes, it's Julio, it's Ridley, it's Gurley, and Matt Ryan, and not much else. So obviously if someone goes down and gets hurt, then obviously that affects everyone in some kind of way. But um, I actually like all those guys um, where they're currently being drafted. And I think people are sleeping on Julio a little bit as well, um, especially in Dynasty. But uh, I do like Calvin Ridley pretty much in every kind of league that you can get him in, um, especially uh, later in the drafts, especially if you go running back heavy early on. Yeah, I'd have no qualms with Ridley being my wide receiver one if I built a certain way. But, you know, if he's a wide receiver two, you are you are going to walk away uh, incredibly happy from your draft. And, excuse me, yeah, Julio Jones just consistently undervalued, particularly in Dynasty. He's about to turn 30, therefore his career in the NFL must be finished. Julio Jones is a freak. Julio Jones is going to be scoring fantasy points till he's 35, like, Go and buy Julio Jones on the cheap if you can. But just pulling up the ADP from the fantasy football calculator, sometimes I'm a little bit questionable on this. Yeah, about, it about, varies. It, it does vary. I mean, right now it's saying the drafts are from the 26th of April, so over the last month, and it's from 1,100 mock drafts, uh, allegedly. Although, and then it's all, and then, but then it's also telling me that over the last two days, there's been 1,100 mock drafts. That's what, uh, which, you know, I, I question whether that is the case. But Calvin Ridley is currently going as the wide receiver 17, and he's going 45th overall. And there's a few names that I would certainly be be looking to take him over, in, probably including A.J. Brown. Uh, I know that might be a bit of a hot take. Um, certainly, no, like Mark, certainly Mark Andrews and David Montgomery. Uh, probably even Alan Robinson. I really like Alan Robinson, but such a unstable situation there. I, I'd, I'd rather take the the wide receiver two in Atlanta with that situ- more certain offensive situation than than what Alan Robinson has in Chicago there. Particularly if they do end up changing quarterbacks. So there are there are a few names according to this ADP, but just in some of the drafts I've been doing, certainly you can get really even cheaper than that. So. Uh, if he starts to fall, make sure you make a move and, and go and get Calvin Ridley. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that's a perfect segue. You said one of the names on my list, and that is uh, David Montgomery, the running back from the Chicago Bears. And the fantasy community seems pretty <laughs> out on him, it seems, from what, I, what I've seen, um, which is kind of surprising considering the fact that he's in year two. I mean, he was a rookie last year. He was on an offense, you know, that was just abysmal. That Bears offense was one of the worst in the league last year. Um, they didn't address the offensive line, you know, as aggressively as you would think, but they did add some pieces. Uh, and he's basically, he's pretty safe. I mean, his, his floor is pretty safe. I don't think he's going to have a worse season than he did last year. Um, and he still put together 889 yards and six touchdowns on an offense that was one of the worst in the league. And r- rushing wise, they were their their offensive line grade was very poor. So I like what you're get, getting out of David Montgomery. You can get him 
Um, you know, as your RB2 late or RB3, if you go running back heavy, you can get them, you know, in the fifth, sixth round sometime, in some places just because I think a lot of people are stung by him or just not that enamored with David Montgomery. And I think he's set to break out in a big way um, in 2020. I can understand why the community is split on him. And the sort of vibes I'm getting from Montgomery this year are what I had with Le'Veon Bell last year. And that's bad offensive line, but he's a shoe-in for plenty of volume. It's just whether the efficiency and, and upside for a touchdown is, is going to be there. The difference is, last year, Le'Veon Bell was a late first, second, early second round pick because his name was Le'Veon Bell and he was on a big contract going to the Jets. Now, I was completely out on him uh, because the offense was going to be so stagnant. I just I just had no interest in Le'Veon Bell. As you mentioned, David Montgomery, can be his ADP right now is the 23rd running back off the board. So as an RB3, that's incredible upside for, for you know for for where his range of outcomes is based off his based off his volume and we could be looking at you know a fourteen hundred eight touch you know all purpose yard eight touchdown season. Tariq Cohen is still going to get his. He's going to get plenty of of work in the passing game, so that's going to limit his ceiling. But you don't have to pay pay absurd prices for him. And really, he's the last back that you could draft confidently and say. He's going to get the majority of the work because every single name coming after him, there's at least another name on the roster that makes you think. Raheem Mostert has Tevin Coleman. Mark Ingram, they just drafted Dobbins. Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Max there. Kareem Hunt is very much second fiddle. Cam Akers is stuck in a committee. Darius Geist doesn't have any knees. Damian Williams was, you know, ousted by Edward Hilaire. And then we have DeAndre Swift. And then we start to get into the guys. We go, okay, these guys are going to be great flex plays, running back three for me. But 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 Montgomery really is the last cutoff point. So yeah. like that's that's the last line, running back 23 of a of a clear standout guy. Everyone else has has got more murky situations. So I completely understand the appeal of taking him there. If that if you know, and then it's it's a tear drop-off. So you're banking on the efficiency being there, him improving as a runner, the line blocking a little bit better. And at the end of the day, where fantasy football is a game about volume. And if you can get a guy who looks like he's going to be committed to volume, they haven't picked anyone up. They haven't shown any intention of picking anyone up. They didn't have many draft picks, so his position was pretty safe there. So, you know, the offense can't be worse than it was last year. It Things started to improve a little bit when they opened up Trubisky and, and and got him to at least move a little bit. Now, if Trubisky wins the starting job and keeps it, it will be because they, they utilize his mobility, which will help Montgomery. If they move to Foles, you have a better passer that defenses will have to respect a little bit more and hopefully take it take one of the defenders out of the box against him, against Montgomery. So I think the upside is there. I'm not going to be going too heavy on Montgomery just because of the receivers that are available around him. But if I did do a, you know, a wide receiver heavy build at the top and a, like more of a zero RB or light RB approach. He would be someone who I'd be targeting um, in the, in the fourth, late third, fourth round to, to, to start my running back committee, my fantasy committee around. So yeah, I, I I'm, I'm fine with Montgomery. I'm not in love with him, but I, I'm certainly not totally out on him either. 
which sounds like the biggest hedgiest answer in the world. I, <laughs> I know, I, I know. It's like, make a decision, stop sitting on the fence. But it really comes down to strategy. Like, you can't completely take a running back who's got this volume off your board. It's just foolish to do that. But I said, I can also see the range of outcomes where it's a completely shitty season for him. But drafting him in the fourth round shouldn't kill you if that happens. Yeah, and I'm saying, like, obviously, I'm taking him as RB2, um, which he well and truly should be. And and with that, you know, especially with lots of running backs coming off the board early, I mean, you're looking at him, you know, probably in that fourth, fifth round, and you just grab him and you hope that he comes through with a 10 touchdown season and, you know, 1,100 yards or whatever, like like you said. Right, right. Um, you, you, you grab him, you, you throw up in your mouth a little bit, and then you move on to your next election. <laughs> sort of like your next guy. <laughs> uh, sir, how dare you? Because that next guy is Chris Carson. And I tell you who I'm drafting 100 times out of 100 before I'm drafting David Montgomery is Chris Carson. Because uh, he's going in. Is is there a run heavy, more run-heavy team in football over the last three years? No. it's the, it, Brian Schottenheimer is running his offense from 1953. Smash mouth football. They are wasting the prime of Russell Wilson, but that's for that's the cross for Seahawks fans to bear for fantasy purposes. I'm going to dr- draft all of the Chris Carson. And I know they just signed Carlos Hyde, but that's a, that's a shitty deal that he's on. It's not $4 million. It's a million dollars max with a bunch of incentives that he's never going to hit. He's, <laughs> he's, he's insurance if Rashad Penny can't come back from his injury. Chris Carson, or if Chris Carson needs to, you know, be eased into this in, into the start of the season. But they love Chris Carson. He could he fumbled the ball so many times last year, and they were like, "Okay, keep going back out there because we love you." Like it's the cardinal sin for running backs; they can't hold on to, if they can't hold on to the ball. Chris Carson inexplicably fumbled the ball over and over. So you have to think it's something he's going to work on. And they kept trotting him back out there. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Hell, anyone can. When Russell Wilson's throwing them the ball, he you know. He extends plays and checks it down to the running back as well. I just really like Chris Carson. His current price is like in the third round running back 18. But this Carlos Hyde news is going to push him down further. And people, you know, I I, I tweeted out a a little while back, like like someone like explained Chris Carson's ADP to me like I'm five years old. It was the same last year. He's just not a sexy name, but he's going on to the run heaviest team in football. And even if Carlos Hyde gets a hundred carries over the course of the season, Chris Carson can still have 200, 220 opportunities. And that's, that's more than enough for him to smash his ADP, particularly when you look at the guys going around him, Melvin Gordon, you know, is a huge question for me. Chris Carson easily taking over Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Yeah, wow. I mean it's not it's not even a question for me. He's Chris really? Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson over David Johnson, over Melvin yeah, Gordon, yeah, over Todd Gurley, over Le'Veon. The only guy who's going the only guy who's getting drafted, the only guy who's getting drafted after Chris Carson, who makes me go, hmm, is James Connor. That's it. Ew, I don't like him either. <laughs> you can have both of them. I'll take every other guy you named. Man. You you want to sleep on guys who are just going to be given absolute workloads in their offense? I'll take it. There's yeah, no I, one at the. Yeah, I'll give me the. Yeah, please give me the workload. <laughs> give me the guys who are getting these carries. Um, and I think 
I, I yeah. So we'll we'll st- we'll st- we were gonna ping pong, but you've just lost your right to ping pong. And since I mentioned James <laughs> James Connor's name, we're gonna stay with him right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, 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 wait! I got a trade. I got a trade, and this is this is I don't like Chris oh. Carter. So oh, okay, okay. And this is a dynasty league. It's a pretty deep dynasty league. Um, DMZ Warzone dynasty me, league. Okay, uh, so that's 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 twelve teams. It's super flex, tight end premium. Yeah. Yes. You start you start about 10, 11 players, right? Correct. Okay. So I got offered Chris Carson, your your dream boat. <laughs> this is Dynasty. Okay. So and DJ Dallas. <laughs> I wish everyone could see this, right? <laughs> uh and I send Jordan Howard in my 2021 second. Do I smash the accept button? Now, the only reason I'm going to say no is because you told me what your team was before we started recording, and your team, <laughs> your team isn't very good. Okay, so what is I, Jordan Howard going to do for me in the future? Jordan Howard's not going to do anything. But you didn't you say you've got to give up a twenty? Did you? Sorry, wait. Twenty one second rounder. You're giving up the second rounder. Right. Right. The only thing is like. Your team has holes in it. You've got Lamar Jackson, but there's a chance that that second round picks end up being like a top quarter second round pick. And I just think, you know, you could in in a really deep future receiver class and all that. Uh, if you were if you were if your team was a playoff team, I would smash that easily. If you're adding Chris Carson to it, it's just what your roster is. So, you know, at the risk, you know, we'll. we'll Move on, cause like no, no like no, no one, one cares about my no one, no one cares about your dynasty team. But all I would say is, if you think that your team can be a playoff team this year, then hell yes, smash, accept, take Chris Carson and you, you DJ Dallas, whatever. That's his alleged handcuff. But there's three other running backs on the roster as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're giving up Jordan Howard, who, as you said, I think Matt Braid is going to do great things in that offense. Jordan yeah, Howard. Sweet kind of whatever for me. But if you don't think you're a playoff team or you think that you need still need some more work, I, I would hold off. And the reason is as well, in Dynasty, I love Carl, uh, Carl, Chris Carson this year. He is out of contract, I believe, at the end of this year. And he's not on much money at all. So I'm not... Who knows what the Seahawks are going to do? Uh, in terms right, we of, can in terms about of, your other terrible running back now. My other, my other excellent running back. Thank you very much. Who's going to be running behind a very strong offensive line, having Big Ben Roethlisberger return, who's going to open up the running lanes for him. Because I tell you what, teams love to do is crash down against the run when you got fucking helmets, helmet victim Mason Rudolph and and Duck Hodges at quarterback, right? So. James Conner was never going to do well, really, once Big Ben went down. The whole offense fell to pieces. Big Ben is back. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have an excellent year. they got Deontay Johnson coming up. They've got James Washington there. They, I think this offense is going to be very good. And even if you only get 13 or 14 games out of him, James Conner is going to get plenty of volume. Tomlin has talked time and time again, and his history shows he uses one guy. If he can use one guy, he will. 
Um, I forgot what podcast I was listening to. I want to give it was the Establish the Run podcast, Evan Silver's podcast, and they were talking about they gave they gave Stephen Ridley twenty carries in one game. Stephen, <laughs> right? Like because they were scraping the bottom of the barrel, but they once they get a guy that they want to go with, they go with him. And James Connor is that guy. They they really really like him. They want him to be the guy. And yes, injury concerns are there, but like Chris Carson, those are baked into the price point. If you could say. James Conner is going to have a completely healthy season. He'd be a first round pick. No question. So yeah, that uh, that's why I really like James Conner. So that's you know. fair. But I don't think me. He, I don't think he is the guy. I don't think he'll ever be the guy. I think, you know, he's just a plotter similar to your boy, Chris Carson. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, if they could find another guy to give, give the carries to they would but I, I liked what he does like he's he's a banger i think they like that i think they can use up a lot of carries on him um without worrying about about it too much obviously they don't have tons behind them you got jalen samuels benny snell jr um guys like that um i would be interested if you know it'll be interesting to see if like the steelers grab one of these veteran running backs out there you know what if they grab like lamar miller or you know, Devontae Freeman, who's saying he might sit out, <laughs> um, you know, a guy like that, that would be very interesting. And um, I think that would put a, a big, um, a big, take a big chunk out of James Conner, his fantasy value. But I get why you like him just because of his touchdown, I guess. He's got a ton of touchdown equity in that offense. I mean, yeah. I know he's not had a full healthy season. I get that. So I don't expect him to play 16 games. You'd be a fool if you did think that was the case. But in 2018, he he ran for, you know, 900 yards in, in 12, 12 and a half games. But what really interests me was the 71 targets and 55 receptions for nearly 500 receiving yards. He went off at nine yards a reception. He's not, a, he's not a bum receiving the ball. And everyone's like, yeah, well, Jalen Samuels is there. Jalen Samuels wasn't great. The only reason Jalen Samuels got opportunities is because James Conner was hurt. Benny Snell is the slowest running back in the NFL. <laughs> like, these guys just don't scare me off against a guy who's shown that when he gets the opportunities, he can he can be productive. And shit, even last year, he was going at four, four yards a carry behind with with just abysmal quarterback play he had 116 opportunities so yeah i i i I really like what he could uh what he could do this year and i can understand being scared off by by the injuries but certainly there's no no one on the roster that that worries me and i i like the steelers offense to to bounce back with big ben That's, that's fair that's fair um I'm going to move on to finally I get to go. Um, <laughs> and this one's probably a little bit out of left field. This is a little bit of a homer pick for me. Um, but I'm going to – it's a guy that I have end up a lot with is Nikhil Harry. Now, there's not much to say about Nikhil Harry other than the fact that, you know, he didn't play very much last year. Uh, he was obviously injured. He didn't come in until I think week 11 um obviously once you're that far behind in a tom brady led offense uh good luck because you're not going to get many many chances if any at all and looking back at the film which i did uh do uh probably about a month ago like he was 
he was open. He just he wasn't the primary receiver. So he now gets a chance to start a new rapport with a quarterback, you know, that's starting in the same basically position that he is. And Jarrett Stidham, if he becomes starter, even if it's Hoyer, um, doesn't really matter who it is. It's a new situation. And Nikhil Harry has the chance to be the receiver that they drafted him to be. Like he's a he's a big wide receiver. He can box out cornerbacks. He's a possession guy. And he needs to get those, you know, those bailout throws. Like quarterbacks in trouble, I'm, I'm throwing to my biggest receiver. He's 6'4", 225 pounds. Um, everyone knows that Brady's bailout guy was Edelman. And I think every team in the league is going to know that Edelman is the guy that they're looking for. So I expect him to be doubled most of the times. And Nikhil Harry has an excellent chance here to kind of put his rookie year behind him and step up and become the receiver that the Patriots really want him to be. And I think we can take advantage of that as, you know, fantasy owners and draft this guy. And he's gone pretty late, so you can grab him you know, in the eighth, ninth rounds of most drafts and have a potential, you know, wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver three on your team. Yeah, I don't mind it. There's there's obviously risk there, but again, factored into his ADP, the opportunity is going to be there. I liked him as a prospect coming out. He was, you know, looked great on film. He struggled to get separation, but he he that wasn't his game. He won in a different way. He was dynamic with the ball in his hands. A great yard, great um, yards after catch guy. His highlight tape was just unreal. Analytically sound profile, really sound. And you know there was a reason why he was drafted in the first round. It just didn't pan out for him because of injuries. And as you said, he got behind the eight ball. Uh, I'm just looking up his his ADP right now. Uh, you know, he's going in the 14th round on Fantasy Football Calculator. He's going after defenses and kickers. This is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is absurd. I mean, just looking at some of the receivers going before him, just receivers only, Deshaun Jackson, T. Higgins, Anthony Miller, Denzel Mims, the official wide receiver of the podcast, Jalen Rager, Larry Fitzgerald, Brashad Perryman. Like, I, if I'm shooting for upside, I'm going Rager and I'm going Harry, like, in this range. Then... You know, Larry Fitz, I don't care about anymore. I'm sorry, Larry. Larry Legend. Um, Brashad Perryman, I don't care about either. Alan Lazard, Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams, Robbie Anderson, Michael Pittman Jr., Preston Williams. Now we're getting into a range where you start to go, hmm. But around here in the 12th, 13th round, the upside that you can get from Nikhil Harry if he establishes himself as the wide receiver wide receiver two, the second option in the passing game this season, which is entirely feasible because Mo Sanu hardly covered himself in glory last year. No. Now, I, I do think Sanu is a better player than what he showed. And my understanding is he played every game hurt and he had yeah. surgery. He had surgery this off season yeah. and you could tell like he looked like dog shit last year. So, I mean, there's the potential for Sanu to be being the pro that he is to earn some targets. But I do think this, as you said, Edelman's going to be the primary read. Nikhil Harry should be the second option in the offense. Uh, and, you know, whether it's Hoyer or Stidham doesn't really, doesn't really change how I feel about the volume that he's going to get. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't hate this one, particularly where his price is. I think if he, you could, you might, You've written wide receiver three, four. You can get this guy as your wide receiver five, six on your offense. And then, then I'm feeling ecstatic about it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's where I kind of value him. But Oh, I, right. I see what you – yeah, yeah. If, I you. if you're going to get him, you know, in that way, then why not? 
Um, but I, I think he's worth, you know, taking before then. I think you could look at him, um, you know, eighth, ninth round, tenth round, and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about getting him in that spot. So, I got you. I got you. Um, next guy on my list is a, is a quarterback, and you know me, I love playing the late round quarterback strategy. I've been doing quarterback chicken in all of the best ball leagues. I've been doing just waiting till the last few rounds and picking up my guys. He, in best ball, this quarterback is an absolute must because you can get him as like the quarterback 26 or something at the moment. But even in like, he could be the last pick that you leave your standard redraft league with, and I'd feel great about it. Teddy Bridgewater. Now, everyone just thinks, you know, knows him as like check down Teddy, like he doesn't throw the ball deep. This is a perfect offense for him. So, so perfect because. His receiving weapons are all animals at yards after catch. Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. Hell, even Ian Thomas at tight end is a freak of an athlete. If he gets the ball in his hands down the seam, he's going to maraud and rampage down the field. And But what I really like about it is he's got Joe Brady there, who has seen what he did for, for Joe Burrow. And I'm certainly not saying that the talents are comparable, but he, he favors his throw-first offensive scheme. And second of all, the defense is garbage. Carolina is going to be giving up 30 points a game, I swear. The defense is not good at all. So they're going to be in a ton of negative game scripts. Just looking at, even just taking a quick glance at their schedule, even within the division, they're going to go against high-scoring teams. So I just love what the um, the upside is for Teddy Bridgewater, who's basically free in drafts at the moment. And so if you really want to wait and look for that quarterback who's going to bring you upside, Teddy Bridgewater all day long for me. Yeah, I mean, where are you going to get him? Like, what are you really going to say? Like, don't do it? Like, if you feel that confident about him, then so be it. But I'm not really a Teddy Two Gloves kind of guy. But, uh, like, I understand – why you're saying what you're saying, but I think he's just a little bit too conservative for me. Um, I'm hoping that I'm wrong because everyone roots for Teddy B, um, especially after the injury that he had. Um, and I hope that, you know, Joe Brady can get, um, you know, that production out of him um, using his offense that he obviously was so successful with at LSU. But yeah, I'm very skeptical of Teddy Bridgewater and what that means. Like, I I really don't understand why they moved on from Cam Newton at this point, but that's you not know, beside the point, um, especially in this offense. Uh, it just seemed like it was a perfect fit. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to bring any value to the running game. Um, so from – like, I understand why, why you would grab him and why you – uh, like his upside in a way, just because his his you know his floor is or his you know ceiling can be a lot higher than his floor um, from where you have to draft him. So his value can improve steadily. But I'll probably be looking elsewhere if I if I have to go Teddy Bridgewater or I mean I'll take Jared Stidham over Teddy Bridgewater at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, see like. Uh... You could, you could, you know, argue over who's a better quarterback. And uh, Bridgewater's got the weapons, and New England has a good defense as well. I don't, they're not going to be chucking it, you know, 35, 40 times a game. Teddy Bridgewater's going to have to drop back a lot. And that's why, that's why I really like him. And just, 
you know, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't air it out all that much, but he's got Christian McCaffrey in 2018 was second in the NFL in yards after catch with 855. He was first last year with a thousand DJ Moore as a rookie had 400 something, 300 something last year. Uh, so there's, there's plenty of yards after catch ability on that roster where you combined with all of the volume that Teddy Bridgewater is inevitably going to have is someone I really, really like. And late round quarterback strategy is all about either being able in the draft to be able to hit on your guy or finding someone on the waiver wire. And I think Teddy, you're either going to be able to get him with your last pick or get him off the waiver wire after your draft and and be very happy with him. But I I also understand why, you know, people might be a little uh, turned off by Teddy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm going to move on to my next one, which is Kareem Hunt. Now, he's a very interesting guy. I never thought in a million years that he would be on my radar. But after doing so many mocks, um, you know, this guy kept falling to me. He was just there. I was looking, you know, you look through the running backs and you get to like the Sony Michels and um, the Marlon Max. And then there's Kareem Hunt sitting there. And I just couldn't resist grabbing him. Uh, I don't like, to be honest, I don't know what we're going to get from him. I don't think anyone can really predict, you know, what we will get from him. But I do know that, you know, Stefanski coming in and they're going to be, you know, play action heavy and they're going to be running the ball a lot. So I expect, you know, Chubb and Hunt to be very successful in this offense. So grabbing him, you know, before I grab, you know, Marlon Mack, before I grab even like guys like Cam Akers, Darius Geis, those guys. Um, I'm taking Kareem Hunt in that situation just because he can catch the ball and, you know, he can do a lot of things in that offense that I think Stefanski will scheme up for him a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, let me take you guys back to the year 2017. <laughs> And you remember the New Orleans Saints. Uh, by the way, Kareem Hunt finished as a running back four in 2017. That was that was his rookie year. But in 2017, Alvin Kamara finishes the running back three, and Mark Ingram finishes the running back six. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case going to be exactly the case this year, but I do think that both between the two of them, there'll be a running back one and a running back two finish. I just think with the scheme, the talent, the offensive line, I think all of the things are present for both Chubb and Hunt to really be successful. And people were drafting Mark Ingram around the same area that year as they were um, as they were Kareem Hunt is going this year. It was around the seventh, eighth round. Yeah. yeah. Kareem, uh, Alvin, Kamara, Alvin Kamara wasn't being drafted as highly as Nick Chubb, but he hadn't done anything yet. He was a rookie. I think right. uh, he was still being drafted beforehand, though, by, by, by sharp players. So uh, I can just see parallels to this. It's the immediate situation that I think of. I think both of them have tremendous upside in the scheme. And there is not a, you know, a better value handcuff either. Not a, because you get a running back one immediately if something happens to Nick Chubb. Now, Nick Chubb is extremely durable. He had that horrific knee injury in college, but since then he's shown nothing but durability. But, you know, he plays running back. Shit happens and he, he could get injured. Kareem Hunt would step into the, you know, one of the best workloads in, in all of football. So you have that, but it's not just a handcuff because he's very usable as a flex or running back play. And if they get into a high-scoring game, 
which is entirely possible when you look at look at their schedule. You know, he's the better pass receiving back. Nick Nick Chubb can can catch the ball, no doubt, but Kareem Hunt is the better receiving back. And if they get into a, a up tempo uh, situation where they need to 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 you know score points quickly, you can see Kareem Hunt getting more snaps than Nick Chubb when if they're down in two minute drills, four minute drills, that kind of situation. So there is standalone value for Kareem Hunt, and he only needs what five or six targets in a game to get there. Like if he gets four receptions and takes it and, you know, six, four receptions and six carries in a game, which is entirely feasible on a weekly basis, that's his value return straight away. And the upside yeah, from there is, is huge. I definitely think he get 10 to 15 touches a game. Um, he had 37 catches last year in eight games. Right. That just shows you, you know, especially in PPR, if you're looking, you know, everyone – this is exactly the situation you have to take advantage of in PPR. When yeah, it's why know, people some people hate PPRs because of this because of this kind of shit. But right. this this is the scoring system, and as you should in any league you're in, is exploit the scoring system to the best of your ability. And getting a running back who is sure to be involved in the passing game uh, with tremendous upside, who can carry the ball and won't get pulled at the goal line just for the sake of it either, like. You know, if, if the offense is moving quickly, Kareem Hunt's on the field and they, you know, and they get down there, they're not just going to pull him off for the sake of getting Nick Chubb in at the goal line either because Kareem Hunt can handle goal line carries. It's not like he's this 170-pound satellite back type guy. He's a, right. he's, a, he's a lead running back. So there's, there's just so much upside for Kareem Hunt. I've been doing the same thing in best ball drafts, drafting loads of him. And I'm also in best ball, I'm doubling up and going Chubb in the second round and, and Kareem Hunt in the sixth or seventh. Like I'm completely fine doing that. Yeah, definitely. All right, um, I think you've got you've got one more more on your list. Take it away. Yeah, I do, and it's you know the old the old man left in uh, Minnesota, which is Adam Thielen, who just turned he turns thirty this um, very soon. Um, but this guy is continually underdrafted, and he falls to me almost every time I take you know in super flex leagues when I take a quarterback early, and then I go running back, and I go running back again. Um, you know, and I try to go running back heavy. Uh, he rut- routinely falls to me, you know, I'm getting them in the fourth round in some of these leagues, uh-huh. um, which is just ridiculous. And he's my, he's my wide receiver one in that situation. Like I have no problem whatsoever having Adam Thielen as my wide receiver one this season. And, you know, like I said, on, on the cook's take, I'll be dying on that hill this year. So, you know, if that's not the case, you can at me. No problem. <laughs> but I, I have Adam Thielen, you know, just, you know, on that. I think he finishes a top 12 wide receiver this year again. Yep, locked. Um, sorry? He's locked. Like top 12, as long as he, like, plays all 16 games. And yeah. He's played – he's been healthy for 16 games every single year of his career except the one last year. Yeah. And he posted back-to-back 1,200-plus yard seasons before 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, and – you know, teams are forced to stay away from camp. Like he's basically the only show in town. I know they drafted Jefferson, but he's not going to have the time to build that rapport with Kirk Cousins, who they obviously have a really good rapport. Um, you know, he should be a target monster this year, and I absolutely love where he's going in drafts. Could not agree more with you. Uh, it's just absurd where his price point is. This is this fake injury concern that people have. Whatever reason, dude catches everything thrown around him. He's a technician as a route runner. 
good luck covering him in man coverage one-on-one. It's just not going to happen. He finds a way to be open consistently. In two, between 2017 and 18, he, he earned 300 targets with <laughs> Stephon Diggs on the team. Right. This is just is absurd. Like Diggs is gone and the offense is going to go through Dalvin Cook and it's going to go through Adam Thielen and that's it. Yeah, There's no I, one else there. I mean, I actually, in super deep leagues, and uh, Kyle Rudolph is a bit of a, a late, late, late tight end sleeper for me as well. Again, because of the rapport, there aren't many of the mouths there. He's targeted in the red zone by Kirk Cousins. But this Gary Kubiak offense is going to be run the ball with Dalvin Cook, play action, and throw it to, to Adam Thielen. And Thielen will be open all the time. And I would not be shocked to see Thielen get 175, 180 targets this year. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, he's could, had he, 100... could he be the Andre Johnson in this, in this Kubiak offense? He very well could be. That's what it kind of reminds me of. He very, very well could be. Uh, and, you know, he, yes, he lines up in the slot a lot, but he might get even, you know, he can go, he can play outside as well. And if they want to, you know, bring Jefferson along slowly and put him in the slot and get, get Thielen outside, I think they're going to move him all over the formation. Yeah, they're going to move him all over. Pre-snap movement with him as well. So, yeah, it, it's crazy how undervalued this guy is. Um, yeah, and it would not surprise me at all to see a 2018 season from him where it's at least 150 targets, you know, 1,300 yards. Double. Di- I expect him to get double-digit touchdowns. Like this is this is the season to go to push the chips to the middle of the table on on Adam Thielen. Um, uh, spoiler alert: whatever his prop bet line is, I'm gonna hammer the over. Hammer the over. <laughs> For sure, I can't agree more. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're we're complete lockstep on Adam Thielen, and the last guy that I have on my list is DeAndre Swift. Uh, and actually, I got a really well thought out, considered uh, question into the into the email inbox. So we'll move on to the listener questions uh, segment of the show, the mailbag. And I had a question from Jack Briggs specifically about DeAndre Swift, and he said, "I've seen DJ. you." T- What's that? DJ Swift. DJ. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> Who the hell's DJ Swift? Did I get that wrong? Yeah, his name's DeAndre, right? <laughs> Are you making... I'm losing is, my mind. This is thrilling stuff for the listeners. Oh, I hate you. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Seriously? Who the f- is DJ Swift? <laughs> right. Anyway, so he was a, he was a, a rapper. Second round- a rapper. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> over, over my head. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so he, he emailed in and he said i've seen you take swift a few times in best ball what are you projecting in versus carry on and he, he he went through a whole bunch of analysis it was a really well considered email so kudos to you jack jack briggs clearly doing a lot of work uh, on, on your projections and, and, and thinking about your fancy football you love to see it but I, i've taken him predominantly in the fifth and sixth round i noticed going back i accidentally took him in the in the second round, the ADPs were all out of whack. And like, yeah, so I was, I was going back. I was like, Oh, whoa, how did that happen? Like did not all did not mean to do that. And I think nearly every pick up to that had been running backs. Like the draft opened with like uh, just a million running backs in the row. And it was a whole mess. So I actually, I didn't mean to take him there in one draft, but apart from that, I've taken him fifth and sixth round in, in, in four out of the six slow draft best balls. I've beaten him. Um, 
I just think that the up the upside is there for him. I don't trust Carry On Johnson's health. The targets are going to be there for him. I mean, last year in the first season with Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator, Ty Johnson and JD McKissick had over 70 targets between them. And I know that was sort of a function of no one else being healthy, but you know, Swift is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield. That's what he was drafted to do. And it speaks volumes that the organization just don't trust carry on to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to finish his season. Matt Patricia's talked about at length multiple seasons about not giving carry on Johnson too much of a workload. They want to keep him fresh. So, you know, DeAndre Swift is someone I like. Having said that, I will say carry on is his ADP is getting pushed back further and further. And I don't hate drafting carry on Johnson either to get to get a piece of this this Lions running game. Because I do think it's going to be these two guys and these two guys alone. But carry but 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 Swift, the potential upside for him in the fifth, sixth round, I just feel very comfortable taking him there as part of a, a you know a, a running back light approach. If you've if you've um you know gone heavy wide receiver after getting a running back in the first round and you want to start to circle back round in the fourth or the fifth round to get your running back two running back three i think swift has just tremendous upside based on the talent and based on the the pass catching chops that he has and the you know the um the Lions offense, I think, is going to be quite good. If Stafford returns and it's healthy, this the I, I don't believe that the Lions only got three wins last year. Like it's they're a much better offense than that. But of course, Stafford was um was was hurt and missed out on on you know nearly half the season. But I really like Matthew Stafford, Kenny G, uh Marvin Jones. I like those guys. And so it you know follows that I would like DeAndre Swift as well in this offense. So that's where I am with DeAndre Swift. That's sort of my explanation for him. Jack, if that makes sense to you, always happy to chat further with you. But yeah. That that, that might, that's fair, but I, I still don't think you should expect, you know, more than, you know, 12, 14 touches a game for him um, in this offense, especially out of the gate. I think it's going to be pretty evenly split. I do believe he's better than Carrion Johnson, and Carrion has not stayed on the field at all. Um, throughout his career so um, I do see the upside however I do think for the upside to come to fruition um, on Johnson is either going to have to take a back seat or he's gonna have to get injured um, I think that he's probably more of a flex option um, like RB3 with you know RB2 upside I don't see him getting over that hump and redraft um, to that, you know, the top 10 or 12 guys this year. Yeah, that's that's fair. I just also feel, you know, yes, Johnson was a second round pick as well, but that was a, a different coach ago and a different offensive coordinator ago. They've they've seen two years of him and then they go, okay, let's go and spend another second round pick on a running back when our team certainly has some needs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So it sort of gives me the the indication of what the organization is feeling about it and i guess it's kind of different right because the colts spent a second round pick on 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 jonathan taylor the ravens spent a second round pick on jk dobbins both of those teams have much much more complete rosters than the lions do they had a lot more holes and still i mean i don't think the lions are a good organization at all i mean there's just infinite list of evidence to that but still so many holes on the roster they have a second round running back who you know I think we can all agree is pretty talented and they like him, but they they still went in 
and and got another running back. They could have signed someone off the street. They could have got Carlos Hyde. They could have made a play at Lamar Miller. They could have waited and got Cam Akers in the third. You know what I mean? There's like there was other options available to them. They still went, nope, second round pick. Swift is our guy. Uh, so I just think that it might start out 50-50. But I, but I think that, you know, when it's all said and done, Swift is going to have, have had 60-65% of the opportunities at the end of the year. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sold totally on that, but um I get it. I get why you would take him and because he has, you know, the the upside. Um I, I noticed that in Jack's res- response that he he hates all, all the mid-round running backs. So yeah. I mean, we talked about, you know, some, you know, obviously I like David Montgomery, who he probably hates. Um, but I think he's a safer option in, in this one. So I would take Montgomery if I'm looking for a safer, you know, kind of just steady production week in, week out. Obviously, I would take Swift. I'm looking to try to hit a home run um, because I think his ceiling is probably higher. Um, but I think those are the kind of guys that you got to look at. I think Hunt and Swift is a very intriguing kind of back and forth on who's going to have a better season. It kind of all depends on, you know, the teams around them as well. So I think, you know, those are very interesting kind of counterpoints in looking at potentially which one of these mid-round guys is going to win you the season, you know, win you a league because you, you have to get that value. You're trying to win week, you know, week after week. You're not just trying to win, you know, at the end of the year, you know, Swift could end up with, you know, great numbers. But if he got that in three games, you know, and, you know, Montgomery, you know, steadily just gives you X amount of points every week, you know, what has more value to your team? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I would take Montgomery, for example. Uh, but he's just being drafted a little bit earlier than him. Just going back to the fantasy football calculator ADP. We agree. I think we kind of agreed that Montgomery was the last cutoff of, of a workhorse guaranteed back. And then you've got Mostert, Ingram, Jonathan Taylor, uh, a bunch of wide receivers and tight ends. Then it goes Kareem Hunt, Cam Akers. Gross. And, yeah, right? So, I mean, I love Cam Akers, but it's a gross situation. Darius, Darius Geis. I mean, what effing lunatics are drafting Darius Geis when there's just... <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> stop it stop drafting Darius Geis who's doing this you absolute animals Damian Williams and then DeAndre Swift give me Swift over Williams and Geis and Akers 10 out of 10 times like that's not even a question for me yeah that, and that's fair and then, and then and then it comes to Kareem Hunt who I go uh, I'm sort of yeah you, I completely agree with you then that's a conversation that's a that's a that's a discussion and I'm I'd probably lean Kareem Hunt if I'm if I'm totally honest, but that's a I, I'm happy with either. I'd be happy yeah. with either of those guys. It's like a 60-40 lean to Hunt for me, but I'd be happy with yeah. Swift. So that's sort of where I'm where I'm at on him. Same. All right, cool. Uh, next listener question comes from Shane Hilly. He asks, "Is Aaron Jones in for another belter of a year?" Short answer, in my opinion, no. Sorry, uh, shaking. Yeah, in regression. Yeah, man. He scored 16 touchdowns last year. It's just not sustained. It's just not happening again. Yes, he had a nice 1,500 yards from scrimmage, but Matt LaFleur has harked on and on and on again about how they want to have a committee. They want to share the load, spend a second-round pick on A.J. Dillon, this absolute monster. 
Uh, you can kiss any goal line carries goodbye for Aaron <laughs> Jones when he wants to have this smash mouth uh, lead fullback situation with with Dylan coming in behind. They there's just no way Aaron Jones gets those goal line carries anymore, which is a shame. Shane, I really like Aaron Jones as a player. I think he's talented, and I can't wait for him to be free of Green Bay and hopefully get a feature role in free agency somewhere. But I, I don't see him finishing anywhere near where he did last year, unfortunately. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, they're going to give him tons of work. I just don't think he's going to have the same seasons. I wouldn't be drafting him, you know, expecting the same kind of production as he had last year. And that's just that's just facts. There's no way he can he can do what he did last year and do yeah. that again. Uh, I agree with you. I think the goal line work is pretty much gone unless you know they get creative down there and the go on they run some shotgun stuff which green bay has has done um in the past um so you know he i think i don't think his obviously his touchdowns are going to go down but i think his work load and everything might stay similar um in the way that they use him just because his contract's up after this year and they really don't care i don't think i think they're going to let him walk um, just because of, you know, running back value in general. So, um, obviously, if, you know, A.J. Dillon has a good year as well, I don't think he's going to be there for long term. So, um, I could def- I definitely don't think you should be drafting him based on his last season's production. That's for sure. Yeah, completely agree. I'd say it's being optimistic to cut his touchdowns in half. And even then, eight touchdowns, I think, would be a, a strong year for Aaron Jones. Um Quickly moving along, uh, Chris Morris, always asking questions. Great listener. Appreciate the support. Late, late, late rookie wide receiver options, fourth round in rookie drafts. There's three names that I picked out. Uh, you should definitely go check out their profiles. Gabriel Davis to the Bills. Colin Johnson, who's a, just a big, big body dude to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, he's going real late. And then finally, someone who is uh, going under the radar, gone to Baltimore, James Prochet, who just produced year-on-year SMU. He redshirted as a freshman. That was the uh, uh, same time that Cortland Sutton was there. And then he played four years at SMU and just continued to produce. He broke out slightly older, age of 20, but that was his first year that he actually played. He chose to redshirt because Cortland Sutton was there, going to have opportunities. But 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 this production, production profile on James Prochet, I really, really like. And he's projected to be like a slot guy who's great at contested catches. Go and watch some of his tape. He makes some really impressive contested catches, albeit at, you know, not a great competition level playing for SMU there. But if he can get a slot job, you know, Willie, Slee, Willie Sneed's days are numbered in Baltimore. If he can earn the slot job in Baltimore, that, that's that's a position uh, that could be that'd be quite coveted. So there are four four receivers that I, I don't mind late in, in the fourth round. I mean, how deep do we have to go? <laughs> I mean, you can go you can go you can go deep if deeper if you want. Well, I was just, you know, I like I kind of like uh Quez Watkins from the Eagles. Um I think I know our favorite receiver and the official wide receiver, Jalen Rieger, is our receiver. But I think that whole Eagles wide receiver core, I think it's very up in the air. I think anyone could really step in there and get some production. So Quez Watkins from the Eagles. I mean, there's, you know, we talked about Jeff Thomas last Mm -hmm. week, who's a, you know, a sneaky deep kind of guys undrafted free agent. I think there's a few other guys that you could grab off that 
that the Patriots undrafted guys that they signed um, that you could probably pick up and, you know, hope that they make a roster. Uh, KJ Hill is a guy I like from the Chargers. Um, He was, you could probably get him, you know, pretty late in those drafts as well. So um, right now he's, you know, wide receiver 135 dynasty. So I, th- I like what he can do. Came out of Ohio State, was drafted with that Chargers team. You know, who Keenan Allen's getting older. Um, they really don't have another receiver outside of him and Mike Williams. And I think he could be, you know, a nice little possession guy and actually move some chains as well. And so those are three that I would that pop off in my head right away. So nice. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you're just shooting for upside. So, you know, yeah, shoot, exactly. shoot, shoot your shot on these guys. Right. Two more questions. We'll quickly run through them. Luke Gambin, uh, he says, thoughts on Zach Pascal, Thaddeus Moss, and Ricky Seals Jones' future and instant impact players in Dynasty League if starters get injured. I'm just going to quickly go through these. Ricky Seals Jones is dead. Forget him. Uh, he's just tight end is not utilized in that offense. Uh, is he, He's still in the Cardinals, right? Uh, he, oh, has he, he gone somewhere else? I don't even know not. where he plays. Because <laughs> I know they got they got uh, Charles Clay, uh, Ricky Seals Jones. Oh, he's gone for the Kansas City Chiefs. There you go. I had no idea. He's still they dead. Sat, yeah, he's still dead. I mean, Travis Kelsey is immortal. I mean, if something were happen, if something were happen to him, shit, yeah, he's twenty five years old. He's a converted wide receiver. He's in the Chiefs' offense. Like if Kelsey goes down. I stand corrected. He would do this Undertaker.gif rising out of the coffin, Ricky Seals-Jones career revived if that were to happen. But the chances are, uh, are you know, slim. Travis Kelsey's a beast. He's, he's never been hurt. It's not a Gronk type situation. So I don't right. see it. But if you've got deep, deep benches, hell yeah, stash Ricky Seals-Jones. I know I completely missed it. He'd gone to the Chiefs. Thaddeus Moss, sure. Why not? Who Who's starting at tight end in, 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 in Washington? I have no idea. Vernon Davis, dead. Uh, the other guy, uh, Jordan Reed, brain soup from all the concussions, dead. And I think I think Zach Pascal is still on the uh, on the Colts, who you know fluttered a bit of production last year, but he's buried now with with Pittman and Paris yeah. Campbell coming back. T. Y. Hilton. I mean, it would take injuries to 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 you know, at least two of those guys, significant injuries and and no other players coming in either. Because remember last year, it took Hilton, it took Funchess, it took Campbell getting hurt before they even, you know, for them to start to look at Pascal. So um, Ricky Seals-Jones has probably got the the most upside because I just didn't even realize he's with the Chiefs just from that. Thaddeus Moss is, you know, not a great profile, but you wouldn't be expecting things from him straight away anyway. So... But again, as a deep stash, tight end premium start too. Thaddeus Moss should be rusted, and and Zach Pascal is probably droppable at this point. Yeah, I, d- I don't want any part of Zach Pascal um, in that offense um, with him <laughs> in it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, have better options. So I understand the Thaddeus Moss, and I understand Ricky Seals Jones. If obviously if Kelsey got injured, he would be the number one waiver wire pickup for sure. Yeah, um, no, no doubt. So. And then finally, uh, one last question from Larissa Falls. Do the Bengals have enough weapons to shore up their run defense? I mean, they tried, right? They were 28th in run DVOA. You could just run on the Bengals all day, and they went and backed up a Brinks truck to DJ Reader from the Texans to try and fix that. Big nose tackle can rush rush the passer as well. They'll pair, pair him along Geno Atkins. Whether it's enough, 
I don't know. It, de- it probably it probably depends on what their secondary can do as well. Because if their secondary ain't, ain't covering, you know, ain't covering shit, teams are just going to throw on them, and then it's just going to be a matter of volume, right? If teams just can throw on them and score, and then you know, get get a big lead, they're just gonna they're just gonna run against them consi- consistently, put out run heavy formations against them, and at the, at that point, it doesn't really matter. It's all about formations and matchups. So. They've they've definitely made a good acquisition. I think this is in part looking to the future as well with Geno Atkins. He's he's older now, so they've definitely tried. Whether it's enough will remain to be seen. But I certainly wouldn't be expecting uh, a stout run defense from the Bengals this year. No, but I mean, it depends on what they get from their linebackers. To be honest, they're they're just awful. Um, I think they added a guy in the draft as well. They yeah. added a couple guys, so. Um, do they have enough on offense? Like I love, I kind of underrated like like their offense. So oh, dude, I, I'm like like Loki in love with their offense. Like everyone's sleeping on it. Everyone thinks AJ Green's dead. I mean, this could be a really, 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 really fun offense. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love John Mixon as much as anyone. Um, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, you know, T Higgins, add that in there as well with CJ Ozoma, who I on think date. is underrated. On date. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I don't, I I un- understand the question, but to what end is you know? I don't think they can make up for you know a sieve of a defense. So I don't think Burrow's going to have that kind of season as a rookie. But uh, you know, I think they can mitigate it to a certain point. But I don't think it's going to be enough for them to you know really do much in this NFL season. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Uh, so that's all the listener questions. We really appreciate it, and that'll that'll do us for this week's episode. Uh, but but hang around because the interview with Mike Clay will be will be coming up uh, after the drop. Corey, it was uh, always fun talking with you, mate, and we'll we'll catch up again next week. Yeah, I really appreciate. It. I'll talk to you guys soon. If you want to help support the studio, please sign up to our Patreon head to www.patreon.com forward slash The Vault Studio and choose from a $1 or $5 a month sub. Also, check out our once-off $100 special where we will make a podcast on whatever you want. The power is yours. It is my pleasure to welcome onto the show a guest I am very personally excited to chat to. He is Bill Mafia's favorite Twitter personality, ESPN's Mike Clay. Mike, thank you for coming onto the show. How are you? I'm uh, doing pretty well, guys. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Uh, very excited to chat a little bit of, of fantasy football for you. But uh, first of all, just wanted to wish you a, a happy birthday for yesterday. Many happy returns. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Did you uh, were you able to to celebrate despite uh, the uh, the restrictions of of COVID nineteen? Um, just a little bit. I was actually supposed to be heading down to Charlotte for the Coke Six Hundred for the uh, which is NASCAR race. If you're not familiar, for the twenty uh, second consecutive year. Uh, so unfortunately, that got derailed. But on the plus side, I got to spend my birthday with my my family, my two little girls. So uh, you know, silver uh, silver lining for sure. <laughs> Yeah, a lovely silver lining. It took a global pandemic to derail your your love of NASCAR. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> that's that's great. Well, I'm glad you had a had a a good birthday. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into it. So obviously, everyone knows you as you're you know working at ESPN. You do projections, a lot of the the dynasty content over there. But could you just share with our listeners who might not be familiar with uh, 
your your work, a bit of your backstory, how you got into fantasy football, and sort of where you came up the ranks to to and ended up at ESPN. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was uh, really into sports, a big time nerd, just, you know, had notebooks full of stats. I would, you know, copy off the TV and uh, study out of newspapers, all that stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of been in my uh, in my lifestyle, my entire life, even as a kid. So, you know, just growing up, did a lot of a lot of writing, uh, journalism, broadcasting in college and then uh, just looking for a hobby out after college. You know, I, I had a business degree. I was working in accounting, but uh, just always had that itch to be in sports. And then one day I just started a blog, you know, just started writing about football, about fantasy football. It started to get in deep, do things other people were not doing, uh, you know, study new stats and, and new ways of, of charting the game. And um, it's kind of just all grown from there uh, over the years. And, and I was fortunate to, uh, you know, jump in at Pro Football Focus when they were new uh, and and start their fantasy section, do a lot of content there, and then grab the attention of, of ESPN. And I'm really fortunate to have landed there. So a, a lot of hard work, a little bit of luck along the way, and, uh, you know, couldn't be happier. That's great. Yeah, definitely a lot of hard work along the way. And I think that's a common element for everyone who has success in the in the sports media business is just a lot of hard work, a lot of grinding behind the scenes. And yeah, I'm sure you were absolutely no exception to that. So you, you're you at ESPN now. And I think, as, as I mentioned, one of the things you do is, uh, and is a really popular piece of the content, is is your projections for, for all 32 NFL teams. And then obviously that filters down into a lot of the projections you do for, for fantasy purposes. Just curious, uh, for this year, we, we've already mentioned it, but has, has COVID-19 affected how you approach the projections in terms of uh, in, in terms of the numbers? No, not at all. Um, I mean, if anything, maybe we're all going to be a little worse this year just because we don't have, you know, things like OTAs and beat reporters on the scene getting us the inside scoop. So maybe in general, we'll miss out on some important nuggets. But, but uh, you know, otherwise you know, that's, that's for all of us, you know, other, there's no real way to uh, adjust for that, maybe being more conservative, but I'm already pretty conservative because it's really the only way to, to address uh, a good objective projections. Um, and, and some people will say, well, you know, shouldn't you downgrade, you know, the pass, you know, passing numbers because guy, you know, receivers and quarterbacks won't be on the same page. Well, you know, the cornerbacks might not be in the right place too, because they're missing right. out. You know, you, you can play this game all day. It's like, you know, the chicken and the egg. It's it's kind of uh, ridiculous to spend time on it when you have no variables to work off. It's a very new thing. So I'm just uh, using all the information at hand that I know I can rely on and going from there. Business as usual. That that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you 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 could try maybe try to get too clever or, or too cute and just and just miss completely. So yeah, that that makes a ton of sense to me. One of the other things that I'm I'm a huge fan of is the uh, the, the work you do is the the cornerback wide receiver matchups and it's it's quite unfortunate actually we can't we can't access them down in Australia anymore behind the uh, ESPN Plus paywall which is which which is a shame but when I was able to access them I I absolutely love them and I know you spend uh, a lot of time doing that could you just sort of share a little bit of background for those who might not be familiar with with that work and, and what that process looks like. Yeah, again, back, uh, it, it actually was the later stages when I was at Pro Football Focus, I realized that, look, we have this play-by-play -play information of who's covering who on each play, and I thought this could be a super valuable tool for, for fantasy football, so I immediately put kind of a, uh, a 
an export together, if you will, or an import for me, uh, bringing in that data and then kind of studied it and then tried to determine which coach is shadowed, which players shadow on a week to week basis, and then just keep an eye on it every week. So I've been charting that for five or six years now. I have a complete log of every, what every team has done every week in terms of shadowing, not shadowing, who did, who didn't. Um, and I just turned that into content. I think it's super valuable. It's something that at the time was unheard of. And now you see it, it's kind of, uh, kind of grown into a feature, a, a pretty much a must. If you have a premium product out there for fantasy football, you pretty much have to do that article. So um, I'm, I love to see how it has grown, grown and uh, it's, it's super valuable. And also, also it gives some, you know, give some shout out to uh, some, some star corners out there that maybe weren't big names, but now we, you know, appreciate them as, being shadow corners and having those assignments on a week to week basis. You think about someone like James Bradbury, who look, his numbers not always great, but he's on the field every play and is shadowing every week. And actually I just pulled this nugget a couple of days ago when he was in Carolina, his four seasons in the league, 21% of his coverage snaps were against Mike Evans, uh, Julio Jones and Michael Thomas, 21%, one out of every five was against one of those three guys. That's not even fair. And now he goes to the NFC <laughs> East, of course, with the Giants. So life will be, as we know, much easier in that division. So uh, it's it's things like that that I love discovering and, and uh, you know, give some praise to guys like Bradbury and, you know, Tredavious White and Darius Slay, uh, guys that might otherwise not be big names but are because we can see what they're doing on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, that's that's a, a really cool nugget. And I was I was always concerned for Mike Evans when he when he matches up with James Bradbury because he always he pretty much always, at least at least by my memory, I might I might be wrong, but always seemed to to handle Evans quite well. And that's that's a murderous row of receivers he has to go up against. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, sort of building off that uh, that that process, do does your understanding of, of the matchups filter into your season long decisions at all? Like now Stefan Diggs is over in the AFC East and he's going to likely see Gilmore two two games a year. Do you, or is that too um, a sort of like into the detail for doing high level projections? No, I, absolutely. I look at that kind of stuff. Uh, you can certainly look ahead to the schedule. I remember last offseason talking about how I wanted to like Robbie Anderson, and I was intrigued by you know the situation there. But I looked at his assignments, his projected assignments for the season, and it was right. it was brutal. You know, you knew it was like twelve out of sixteen weeks he was going to be shadowed by a, a top end corner, including Gilmore, who you just mentioned, and of course um, he had to face Tre'Davious White twice. Right. And he was at that time we we saw Xavier and Howard on the schedule. Uh, with Miami, he I, I think only made it through one of those games healthy, but um, you know across the league he just had some some very very tough matchups. So there's no question you could look at that. Um, it's more valuable week to week, right? Because you just know that for 64 snaps it's going to be the same guy, whereas on a season long basis there's a lot more variables and sure. could change quick. But um, certainly that's something you can consider. Yeah, right. That makes sense. And of course, as you said, season long you can project it for at the start for 16 games, but you know Xavier Howard is was a perfect example there projected to be the the season long starter and, and, and got hurt. So you can't, you can't control for those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so my next question uh, is obviously you're, you're an Eagles fan or if for, for those people listening, who don't know Mike, Mike is a, is an Eagles fan. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on their draft. What, what did you think of the selections? Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I always, uh, kind of hesitate to get too aggressive on on 
crushing or appraising a team for the draft because we don't right. know yet. You know, it's, sure. it's a way to lottery. You know, you want as many picks as possible. If you have earlier picks, it's better. Obviously, there's more more chance that that player is going to hit. Um, you can't, you know, there are some drafts like Green Bay, for example, this year that you can really raise an eyebrow at and say, you know, the process doesn't really make a lot of sense. But for Philadelphia, I have no major issues with it. You know, they address some need spots and, uh, you know, say what you want about the quarterback pick with with Hertz. But, you know, I like him a lot. I think he could be a, uh, you know, potentially a star player in this league. You saw what he could do with his legs. And actually, his passing was pretty darn good last season as well. So, um, taking a guy at, at any point. I mean, if you think there's a potential star quarterback on the board, I don't care what round you're in, you take him. And, you know, uh, I, so I really have no issue with that. It's just quarterback is a unique position. If you see value there, you know, take it. And yet the Eagles need a backup too, on top of everything. So uh, I, I really have no particular issue with that one. Yeah, I wasn't sure why that pick was was so, um, <clears throat> you know, uh panned or, or trashed or partic- particularly on Twitter, because as you said, you, you can never have too many good quarterbacks on your roster. And if it, if it works out in the second round, he, he will be an absolute steal for the organization. And certainly his passing improved year on year throughout his, his time in college as well, which is, which is really promising to see. So if he gets his opportunity uh, this season or the next or whenever that might be, I'm, I'm really excited to, to watch him play and, and potentially, potentially throw to Jalen Rager, who uh, I, I had a, a bit of a crush on in the draft uh, going into the draft and was excited about that landing spot. And we decided to make Jalen Rager the official wide receiver of the Vault Fantasy Football Podcast just like just last week. So we're really excited to see what he can do in his in his rookie season. Uh, there's there's one more Eagles player I just wanted to get your take on because in the last week or so he has been quite uh, you know polarizing on Twitter, people really not sure of what his role is going to be. And that's Miles Sanders, the uh, the, the uh, running back from, from Penn State drafted last year. Just curious where you have him projected for, maybe where you'd rank him in, in, in redraft for this year. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I'm not too worried about the chatter. I, I mean, I've kind of been baking in the the chance that they'll they'll add a bigger back uh you know may, right now it's like a Corey Clement or a Michael Warren would handle those sort of touches based on the current roster so you've heard maybe Carlos Hyde um Devonta Freeman maybe LaShawn McCoy which I don't really love that one as much but um I'm not too worried about it I mean yes it could take away some goal line work perhaps maybe you know a few extra carries but he's still probably going to give you RB2 numbers you know there's the talent there and there's the role. There's a, an offense that's conducive to scoring a lot of points. So um, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty content with him again as a top end RB two. Um, you know, and and uh, again we we kind of saw this coming. And Boston Boston Scott will expect to play a bit of a scat back role. Um, you know, if it, I mean I'm looking at my projections right now. I have Sanders at 226 carrying the ball. Boston Scott at 126. Like he's probably the guy that's going to lose those carries, right? Like that's a high number for Boston Scott, 126. Right. But if they sign someone like a Hyde or a Freeman, maybe you knock that down to 70 and give, you know, the, the other, the, the veterans 70, 80 carries. And then there's plenty of room for that. And still Sanders would be over 200 carries. There's plenty to like there. I, I think he'll be in the uh, probably 40 to 45 catch range as well. And that's, that'll give you, again, that'll give you a good solid RB2 numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I was just about to ask what you, you thought his, his uh, receptions or target share might be just because obviously they're, they're much more valuable. And he also, uh, he looked really good in pass protection in, in the latter half of the, of the year as well. So I, I think he should have uh, that, that role, at least in the, uh, the receiving game in the, in the running back group carved out for, carved out for himself. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a really intriguing backfield. I just hope they keep Scott pretty involved because uh, that guy, I loved him coming out of college, and, and he could be a difference maker. Yeah, he's he he definitely looks uh, looks explosive. It'd be be good to uh, see him see him out on the field. Maybe not too maybe not too much at the expense of Sanders though, because I I've been drafting him in a lot of places in all my early season best ball. So uh, yeah, I don't want to uh, see that diminish too much. <laughs> One of the other things that I I know you do over at ESPN is is manage all of the dynasty content, the rankings, and and all that all that kind of uh, content. And I, I believe, I think I've heard you say before that Dynasty is your is your favorite format to play fantasy football. It's it's certainly mine because you have that year year long action. Uh, are there any guys that you're really targeting that represent a value right now, be it in startup drafts or or, or players you're actively going to to make a trade for? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit on the the post hype side, uh, especially at the tight end spot. I think uh, a lot of times we get pumped up for, and, and you'll see this across uh, even season long drafts, where you know the, the the new shiny object at tight end, right? Like <laughs> no no fan T.J. Hawkinson last year. They're rookies. They're new, you know they were first round picks. Got to draft them late. But we know rookie tight ends don't produce. So this is the year, really. Year two, sometimes year three is the time to attack that tight end position. So. Noah Fant, uh, underrated a little bit right now. Uh, even in season long, he's going in the double-digit rounds. I like going after him. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, to a slightly lesser extent, I think Fant's just in a little bit of a better situation. But Hawkinson, probably flying under the radar even more than Fant. And uh, even Chris Herndon, who missed all of last season. I'm super intrigued by him. He was up there with Mark Andrews a couple of years ago in terms of yards per target. And you know, if you look at the list over the past decade of rookie season yards per targets at tight end, it's all superstars. And, and here you are with... Noah Fant there. Mark Andrews was on that list and Chris Herndon as well. Uh, so I like him a lot. And again, you can see as long you could get him late and he's an, a terrific and cheap buy low in, uh, in dynasty as well. So I've been, I've been kind of peeking at them. Um, you know, I think uh, probably a little, I'm a little intrigued by Marquise Brown, a Hollywood Brown of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. He's a, I think a little bit undervalued right now. Uh, Preston Williams is a guy uh, that's on my radar is that is uh People are sleeping on a little bit. I remember Devontae Parker had a great breakout season last year. Well, Preston Williams was getting more targets as an undrafted rookie than him last season and was outproducing him last season before he tore his ACL. Uh, so, so like him a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody has their value. You just got to kind of search it out and, and you know, it, it, it evolves as the offseason goes on, as you guys know. When one week a guy's a value, the next week, you know, there's a, a blurb on him at Roto World or something. Yeah. One of our beat writers writes a piece, and next thing you know, their their values on the rise, and it's harder to get a hold of them. So uh, again, it's a th something that's always evolving. Right, Evan Silver tweets about someone, and that's it. The ship has sailed. <laughs> um, just just on on the tight ends, you you mentioned a few names there. I, I I like quite a lot of them. One more one more name that people again are struggling to get a grips with because of of what the team did in the draft is is Darren Waller. Uh, obviously, he had a fantastic year last year. I think he ended up as the did he end up as the tight end three? I, I, I in PPR, I can't I can't recall, but he definitely yes. had a yeah he did he had a, he had a strong a really strong year. It was great to see him get his contract as well after all of his personal personal battles. Just a, just a great feel good story, and you like to see players who overcome uh, get get rewarded like that. They the Raiders they obviously added they added Rugs they added Edwards they added. A, a potential pass catching back as well. Uh, do you do you foresee a similar 
market share for, for Waller in, into the 2020 season? Uh, less, but still enough to be a top five fantasy tight end. I mean, he was about, uh, he was a 24% target share last season. I'm projecting him at 20 right now in 15 games, and that's enough to put him right at 200 uh, PPR points. So it's still top five. That puts him about 30 points ahead of guys like Ingram and Higby and, and Gronk and Henry and Jared Cook. So uh, for me, he's a value right now in the sixth mm-hmm. round. In fact, I'm surprised that where you can get Zach Ertz and Waller and, uh, you know, Andrews is borderline. He's going around where Ertz is. I think that's fair. But I, I've seen – I just did a mock draft a couple of days ago, and someone uh, wasn't paying attention and auto-drafted Waller, somebody in the industry. And they were like, oh, no, I don't want him. You know, not even by accident. Like, I I really don't want him. And I'm like – I'm thinking, man, it was like the sixth round. Are you kidding me? What? Why is that so bad? That's a value. I'm, I think I ended up taking him, and I had already drafted Ertz like the round before. Or I think Waller ended up falling another round or so. But I, yeah, he he seems like a value to me. You could take away twenty percent of his targets, and he's still going to produce like a mid to top end tight end one. So uh, definitely a guy that's on my radar right now. Yeah, absolutely same for me. And he, he you know he couldn't get a touchdown for for love nor money for most of the season either. And uh, with a, with a ton of yardage, you expect that to 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 change in his favor as well. And yeah, Zach Ertz is is another crazy one. People are all of a sudden just have decided that Zach Ertz is. 35 years old and is is on mm-hmm. the downs downside and uh, it's the the shiny to shiny new toy fever you talked about everyone's excited about Dallas Goddard and I just don't understand it Zach Ertz has been phenomenal for the past few seasons he's as reliable as it comes he he gets uh, a tremendous number of targets from from Carson Wentz so I uh, yeah I I don't understand the uh the lack of interest in Zach Ertz in drafts and uh, certainly, if I'm not taking one of the, the top tight ends, which I probably won't in most drafts, Zach Ertz and, and Waller in that range are, are very nice options to look at. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, lots lots of values in, on different tiers at that position. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it makes for an interesting uh, interesting strategy for how you approach the tight end position. That's That's for sure. Um, just uh, maybe one or two more questions for you, Mike. Really appreciate you you to, uh, you know, sharing your time with us. Uh, I was just wondering who was your favorite wide receiver prospect picked outside of the first round of the NFL draft this year? Yeah, I mean that's an easy one, but it's it's going to align with a lot of other people's as well. In fact, I have uh, T. Higgins uh, ranked ahead of three first round wide receivers. I have uh, Judy Lamb and Ruggs, and then. I have Higgins next up, and honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if you put Higgins ahead of Ruggs. So, uh, like him a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of receiving ability right there. Uh, uh, interestingly, his comp was AJ Green going into the draft, and where does he get drafted? Of course, to the Bengals, where he may be the replacement for AJ Green come twenty twenty one. So, uh, again, just a lot to like there. The height, the weight, the speed combinations, great, great uh, catch radius, body control ball skills the guy can separate produce with the ball in his hands the production is there overall uh, overall you know and and just a really complete receiver for a, for a big receiver i mean he's he's big and and uh, sometimes just the those guys are raw that's really not the case here and and honestly i love looking at yards per route run for wide receivers and uh-huh. in this class it was cd lamb number one and t higgins was number two uh you know and we were talking about some top end talent there with Jerry Judy's in that conversation. Actually, Tyler Johnson, who I like as a sleeper, is another one. Uh, you know, I, Brandon Ayuk's up there. Uh, so it's a 
pretty decent stat. And, and the guy has been been extremely productive. Still only 21 and a half years old, a lot like, you know, same as Judy Lamb Ruggs, those guys. So uh, really a lot going for him. I'm surprised he slipped around too, though. It was right at the top, you know, it was right at the top around too. So uh, borderline first round pick, uh, big fan of Higgins and uh, can't wait to see how he turns out. Yeah, I like Higgins as well. And it, could could end up being a, a really good landing spot for him. Uh, you know his development coming along with with Burrow there, not having to 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 take wide receiver one duties right away and and, and come along in his development. And as as the new crop of of shiny new toys come along, uh, you know very well could be a dynasty value this this time next year if he has a has a quiet rookie season, assuming that AJ Green manages to uh, manages to stay healthy. Yep, you got it. All right, Mike. Um, this has been really great for me. Really uh, interesting. Uh, I, I know you've you've got uh, a lot of things to to get done, and, and you've got to run. So I just wanted to uh, really thank you for for taking the time and and coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with our audience. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I, I hope we can uh, get you back on the show uh, in the future. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. Thanks for tuning into the Vault Studio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to keep up with our video content, head over to YouTube, subscribe, and click the notification bell. Thanks for listening.